Hello, hello. Hello, folks. How are ya? Doing good. It's a little, little snowy out there today, which I don't love. You know what's really funny? First and foremost, welcome to the New Commissioner Machine. Tammy Hall, but for ghosts. Um, what's really funny about that statement, it's a little snowy out, is you don't know when we're recording this. And because it's climate change in New York weather, it could, could be, be any time. It could have been November. It could have been October. It could have been December, January, February, March, April. Who knows? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's snowed in April before. I mean, it is February. It is February right now. But Spoiler. You, but when, but when you're first, when you're first hearing that, there's a chance that it could have been like we're in the. It could be any time they're recording this episode. Right, I just <laughs> ruined the illusion that this is coming to you live. Oh God! Um, some fun stuff has happened. Um, we released our our second patron exclusive mm-hmm, episode, mm-hmm, and here's the thing, you guys. Here's the thing. I love this episode so much. I literally keep telling people, I'm like, I love this episode. And I'm not like when I say that, I'm not necessarily trying to sell people to subscribe to Patreon. Right, it's a very good episode. Yeah, I just am like, I was talking to a few people about it. I'm like, I just really wish everyone could listen to it because it's like a really great episode and they can't. Like, you can only listen to it if, right. if, you, listen, if you subscribe. And so people often say, what's the best way of supporting your show? And I always tell them, honestly, at, at this juncture, it's listening to these shows because the numbers matter and subscribing to Patreon. Like that literally helps when it comes down to it by subscribing to the Patreon and giving us a small monthly donation. It allows us to give you more free material. Right. You know what I mean? I think that's the cool thing about podcasts. It's that it's, it's free each week. We give you about an hour's worth of free material. Mm -hmm. And if you subscribe, not only are you getting that free material and helping other people get that free material, but you're also getting bonus material like that episode the VIP ha- material that Brooklyn haunting episode which that- was crazy yeah. for the record I know we keep saying that but like literally I really want everyone to listen to it so with that being said if you do want to help support the show if you want to help support the podcast you're already you, you, you checked off step one you're listening to this well right done. now step two would just be heading over to patreon.com slash NY mystery machine and supporting us at any level um, if you support us from the second tier up you get free patron exclusive episodes and we already have two up there we have the haunt of the belasco theater which i also thought was a fantastic mm-hmm. episode and then we have this haunting of the sackett street uh apartment building in brooklyn which was just, just mind-boggling nuts. and um so um with that being said we did get a brand new uh, uh patron this this month <laughs> oh thanks for pulling away did you see that it was so nice I, of you. I, pre- I turned away i pulled away her name is Carla, and she's wonderful. And we love you, Carla. Thank you, Thank you so Carla. much for subscribing. And of course, Jordan, uh, our 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 inaugural subscriber, who, mm-hmm. who's been with us this whole journey. So thank you to our subscribers. Um, and again, patreoncom Machine. It's the best way. And and again, and also, and this is the last thing I'll say. And people are like, God, Adam, shut the fuck up. <laughs> we don't want to give you your money, but no. <laughs> Um, but in addition, like we are doing an overhaul of our equipment. I keep, I kept alluding to this like the last, mm-hmm. and by alluding, I mean I kept saying over and over again. <laughs> you kept last. saying directly to the microphone. <laughs> Not alluding at all. This, this is what needs to happen. But um, we are, we are um, in 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 uh, a revamp mode. That this equipment needs to be swapped out. Uh, but thank you again for everyone who who supported. Thank you for listening always. Uh, I'm so excited to to get into today's episode. Yeah, what's what's going on, Adam? Jesus, what <laughs> I read a whole book in like a day, and um, I I was looking for haunted houses in New York, and yeah. it's it's tricky when you look for haunted houses in New York because chances are you're gonna get um, gimmick houses that like yeah. the people want you to go to. Yes, a lot or, of those. Or you're gonna get um, the Merchant House Museum, right? <laughs> yep. Like, Check like, like Morris Jamil Merchant House. We know we did those already. We got right. those. Um, and so it took me a while to find to find this one because I couldn't find any like actual um, us type a person reporting on this. Right. I had to go like straight to the source, um, which is going to be someone who who we've mentioned a lot on the show. And um, no spoilers, I'm going to get right into it. (laughs) So today we're hanging out in just one building, which is pretty exciting. Exciting. Um, We're going to be at 226 Fifth Avenue between West 26th and West 27th Street. Ooh. Um, That area today is known as Nomad, north of of Madison Avenue. Is it? 
Is it known as Nomad? I reject that. I mean, it is known as Nomad. Yeah, I reject that. <laughs> it's literally on the map as Nomad. I yeah, but says who? I maintain there is well, Soho. What would, you, what would you call that that area then? Just an area? Yeah, everything I'm needs sure. an area name now. How do you sell houses and apartments if you don't have a name? This feels very west of triple <laughs> from from amateur. From, yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's exactly what this is. I reject it. Okay. Well, no. This <laughs> this tale begins with a classified ad. Okay. On July third, nineteen fifty three, a man named Captain Hasselt Davis. That's a great name. Hasselt Davis. Hasselt Davis. Placed an ad in the New York Daily News and the New York Times. And the, the, the Broadway columnist, the late Danton Walker, um, saw that ad and would comment on that ad. And he would write, one for the books, an explorer advertising his Fifth Avenue studio for sublet includes among the attractions, attic, dark room with ghost. Oh, okay. All right. He's up front about it. I appreciate that. Up front. Yeah. Um, now I know what you're thinking. Is the ghost supposed to be a warning or a bonus? I was going to, yeah. Point? Is this like... It's like when you're like, oh, it has an island in the kitchen. Right. <laughs> like, this has a ghost. <laughs> well, it, it caught, again, it caught the, the, that one classified ad, which was a legit ad mm-hmm. in the newspapers for for people to sublet that, that apartment. Um, it caught the attention of people, including Danton Wald- Walker, who literally was like, this is ridiculous. I need to talk about this. Even though I, I, I write about Broadway, I need to write about this at this very moment yeah. in time. <laughs> now, um, Captain Davis was not a meek man. Mm-hmm. I mean, if your name is Captain Hasselt Davis. Right, you can't be meek. Man. You can't really be meek. Um, the title of Captain came from his years as an explorer. <laughs> he lived all around the world, including the South Pacific and areas of Africa. He was also an eccentric artist and author of many books. <laughs> now, these books uh-huh. are very, um, very dated. Okay. Oh, yep. And I'm... they offer a very incorrect view of the world and the places where he lived and explored. Yeah, I'm... I'm, I'm uh... What? Yeah, yeah. I I can see this coming. I mean, think South Pacific, the musical. Yeah, and that was yep. dated, and you know, and right? People still do it, but it's like, oh, like you don't do it anymore. <laughs> um, some of the titles of the books are um, "Islands Under the Wind," "The Sorcerer's Village," oh boy, and stuff and such. Oh boy, okay, okay, gap. So people would read his books and have these very inaccurate perceptions of the places that he he went and the people who inhabit those places, right? Which is pretty crappy. In addition to his work as an explorer and an author, he was also featured in advertisements in the 40s for Hiram Walker Whiskey. Hmm. He would wear his safari garb for the ad, and the tagline was, man, this is whiskey. <laughs> I'm going to share the image on our socials. <laughs> I'm going to show it to Christina right now because it's it's just, it's it's worth looking at like right now. Oh my God. And that's our that's our hassle. And, and we'll share this on the socials so you can see. Um, what a tagline. I want to see the room where like a whole bunch of businessmen are sitting around going, you know, what do we, what's the tagline? We need something, you know, really like, it's like, hey, hey, clever, hey, catchy. I got it. I got it. Yeah. Johnson, what's up? Man, that's whiskey. <laughs> Brilliant. It's like, but we know it's whiskey. No, 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 no. But man, that's whiskey. <laughs> that's exactly how it went down. Um, but all in all, this guy is someone who oozes machismo. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly, he was perceived something of a man's man, a term I loathe. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but uh, that was kind of like what he was really built at. Man, um, man, 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 yeah, man, like just man, a manly man. man. Now, the building itself was built in 1853. It was originally a five-story brownstone. Mm. Uh, these days, it does not look that way at all. The facade was eventually redone in like a cement stucco type thing. Okay. Like most brownstones of the time, it was built as a one-family home, mm-hmm. and it's kind of crazy—a five-floor, one-family home. Yeah, and because what doesn't does not compute. I don't. That doesn't make sense to me. We had that in another episode recently, and I was just like, it yeah, took that, me. Yeah, we forever. know. The bonus episode. The not... bonus episode. That's right. It was the bonus episode. <laughs> that's the the patron exclusive episode. Um. Yeah, that's another one. Yeah. It took me like twenty minutes to be like, wait. It's oh, it's one, one house. It's one. Um. So as time went on, though, the building's bottom floor uh, was fixed with a cast iron storefront, and the floors were then separated into separate flats. Hmm. Now, at some point in the late 40s, early 50s, 
Captain Davis bought the whole building <laughs> and he would sublet it out while he went on his expeditions, mm-hmm. whether he sublet the entire building, different units of the building. Tenants who subletted from him said they experienced strange shit. Right. <laughs> Some real strange shit there. Um, residents would often feel uneasy uh, at the at the drop of a hat. Yeah. Uh, in addition, they would hear footsteps on the upper floors when there wasn't anyone else in the building. Hate that. According to Davis, some residents who stayed in his apartment began seeing a green haze in the air. Ugh. But when the person approached the mist, it would float into the wall and disappear. Mm. Most unusual, however, was the attic. Now, the building has windows on every floor, including the attic. Right. So you can see the attic from the street. It's one of those right. buildings where every every built floor is, you know, yeah. has the outside. It's not one of those attics that kind of like closes up. So there is a window. Um, now, the windows of each floor get smaller and smaller. And again, right. I'm going to show you the building as it is today because you can still see how it's built mm-hmm. that way, how the windows go from a larger size to a smaller size to smaller. And then the smallest windows are on that top floor in the attic. Right. The higher you go up, the smaller the windows, et cetera. Now, one time, a subletter was outside the building on its way inside, and he reported something very strange. Looking to the top window, the attic, he saw a smallish green hand slowly emerge from the window. Now, no one was living up there. He was the only person in the building that time. After a few moments, it vanished. In addition to that, there were plenty of sounds that came from the attic. Some Mm -hmm. of those sounds were described to Davis, wherein they were that of of thumps and Mm -hmm. creaking. Mm. Uh, After hearing all of these accounts, Davis was like, great, well, it's haunted. Right, yeah. Hands down. Good, good, Good on him putting that together. He also surmised that the sound of the thump and the creaking uh, appeared to be the sound of someone hanging themselves. Oh, frick. Where it's at that, we know the, the thing yeah. was thump and it's... Oh, God, that's horrible. You're welcome for that list. <laughs> oh. So the ad in the paper, I said, caught the focus of a few people. Mm-hmm. First, our, our, our Broadway columnist. Right. Uh, the next is that of Meyer Berger of the New York Times. I have a question about the ad in the paper. Yes. You said that there's a dark room it's a dark room. The attic is a dark room. I see. I was my question was whether it was like a, like for developing photography dark room or like I don't know. here's a really creepy dark room for you. Yeah, I first read it as like a photography dark room. Yeah. Um, I'm not increasingly. Sure. I think it's just I've got a dark room. It's a dark room. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, I wasn't really sure. So yes. Yeah, so the first person who caught wind of this ad was Danton Walker, mm-hmm. who uh, from the Daily News, who who wrote on it. The next person who caught wind of it was Meyer Berger of the New York Times. Okay. Meyer Berger is a very famous columnist from the New York Times. On July 13th, 1953, Berger would write an article with the headline, quote, Green Ghost Goes with Fifth Avenue Studio Sublet. <laughs> He'd write, quote, The other day a ghost house came on the market for sublet. Captain Hasselt Davis, the explorer, a buff fellow about to plunge into Cambodia, advertised in the New York Times at his five-room studio, six weary flights up at 226 Fifth Avenue, and hung with hunt trophies, could be had with ghosts from July 10th through November. <laughs> Berger would also quote Davis's story about the attic hanging and the green hand. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, green hand's weird. Green hand's weird. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're saying to yourself, Adam, did you just say hunt trophies? I did. I did take note of that, which makes me think could be. Uh, I'm assuming we're talking animal trophies. Animal trophies. So uh, could be that there's just like a lot of ghostly antelope up there. I feel oh, like could be those hunt trophies are definitely haunted. But now I know what you're thinking. Mm-hmm. If he has hunt trophies, you're just dying to know what, the, what else this apartment looked like. Yes, actually. Yes. Well, no worries. Okay, I, have a, I have I'm a ready. thorough description. Quote. His home is one of these fantastic and colorful apartments only an explorer or collector would own. A mixture of comfortable studio and museum full of excitement and personality and offering more than a touch of the unseen. Two wild jungle cats completed the atmospheric picture. So he had straight up two like tigery tigery things things, like stuffed in the apartment. Now... This someone who described Davis's home was not just a random person. Mm-hmm. He actually is pretty well known in the paranormal community and has made a couple appearances on the podcast. His name? 
Hans Holzer. Hans was a key figure in the Amityville Horror House. Yeah. We haven't covered that yet, but we don't know. <laughs> Future spoiler. <laughs> uh, but in addition, we spoke about Hans because he was featured in episode 10, uh, the House of Death episode that we yeah. covered. And he was also featured momentarily in the Morris Jumel Mansion episode, episode 25. So if you want to go back to hear more about Hans, um, it's episodes 10 and 25 when we mention him. Hans plays a big role in this one, okay. bigger than the other ones. In oh. fact, most of the testimony concerning this all comes from Hans himself. All right. So he saw the paper, he saw the ad, and he contacted Captain Davis. Hans' account of this paranormal experience can be found in his book, Ghost Hunter, published in 1963. It's mm-hmm. the first of his books. He has a lot of books uh, about his, his um, dealing with ghosts. Um, obviously, in in the in episodes that we've covered him in, and certainly in Amityville, he's known for bringing a medium in, mm-hmm. doing a lot of uh, psychic, um, yeah, you know, narratives and whatnot. And so, Hans said he found the captain to be sincere and well aware of the existence of psychical research. What a weird psychical psychical psychical, psychical research. Hmm. Hans discussed the case with his team called the study group. Uh, the study group met weekly at the headquarters for the Association of Research and Enlightenment, the Edgar Casey Foundation. Oh, Edgar Casey! His team consisted of Bernard Axelrod, Nelson Welsh, Stanley Goldberg, and Ethel Johnson Myers, his medium. I actually really can't stress enough how much I love some of those names. Now, Ethel Johnson Myers, famously, she goes hand in hand with with Holzer. Uh, Myers was the medium involved in Amityville. Uh, as well as his other cases that he covered as well. Hans said that most haunted houses need one to three visits maximum to get a sense of what was happening. This house, however, the team visited 17 times. Ooh. Now, it wasn't a lot. Yeah. So now it's also important to kind of get a sense of seances and the structure of them. And so not all, it's not often that you have that many, and oft, and also you'll find in this case that the team didn't always go back to the house in order to conduct these seances. And you're gonna learn a little bit more just about the idea of um, being able to tap into that spirit for a long period of time, even if you're not into in the actual yeah. place where they're living. Oh, interesting. Okay. Weird and interesting and scary and odd. Yeah, I hate it. Now the first visit was July eleventh, nineteen fifty-three. Holzer writes in his book. In order to shake hands with the good captain, we had to climb six flights of stairs to the very top of 226 Fifth Avenue. The building itself is one of those big old townhouses popular in the mid-Victorian age, somber, sturdy, and well to keeping its dark secrets behind its thick-set stone walls. Hmm. Captain Davis volunteered the information that previous tenants had, including uh, Richard Harding Davis, actor Richard Mansfield, Hmm. and a lady magazine editor. Only the lady was still around, and when interviewed, she was found to be totally ignorant of the entire ghost situation and ghost tradition. Nor had she ever been disturbed. All right. So, interesting. That didn't happen to everybody. Right. Just some people. Select few. Lucky few. Captain Davis also told of the guests in the house having seen the ghost at various times, uh, though he himself hadn't. So, Davis never had an account with the ghost. He just was... So, basically... Everyone told him and he told other people. Right. So already, I'm like, this sounds kind of silly. You right. didn't see it. How can you even describe it? <laughs> Alas. Now, present at this uh, first sitting was Captain Davis, the host, then Mr. and Mrs. Betram Long, the Countess de Salles, the Countess, and all the friends of the hosts and the group of researchers previously mentioned, a total of eight people and, if you wish, two cats. <laughs> As with most cities, are those the uh, the stuffed cats? Maybe, <laughs> probably, <laughs> actually, I, I guess so. I didn't realize it until I read it just now, and you brought it up to my attention. Maybe those cats. It's probably he met those two. Or cats. or he has two other cats that just no, are like walking I'm, around, really freaking fucking annoyed about these am, am I gonna, wild is, cousins. Am I next? <laughs> oh, poor Giddy. cousin. Oh. Um, as with most sittings, tape recorders were made of the proceedings from beginning and end. Uh, in addition, uh, written notes were taken as well. Mm-hmm. At about 9 p.m., all the lights were turned off, except for one medium-bright electric lamp. A comfortable chair was placed under the gallery in which the medium took her place. 
Around her, forming a circle, sat the others, with the host operating the recorder and facing the medium. Holzer writes, quote, It was very still, and the atmosphere seemed tense. The medium had hardly touched the chair when she grabbed her own neck in the unmistakable manner of someone being choked to death and nervously told of being hung by the neck until dead. She then sat in the chair and Bernard Axelrod, an experienced hypnotist, conditioned her into a usual trance condition, which came within a few minutes. Axelrod. Axelrod. what What a great name. The group awaited the arrival of whatever spirit had been inhabiting the home. They had expected some violence, which Holzer said was quite normal with some cases, especially at first contact. The theory believed is that the quote-unquote disturbed personality continuously relives their cause of death, Mm. and it is the last agony that so frequently makes ghost visitations matters of horror. Mm. If emotional anxiety is the cause of death or was present at death, then the disturbed personality or entity will keep reliving that final agony, much like a phonograph needle stuck in the last groove of a record. Oh, I hate that. He's fucking, he's a fucking poet. Yeah. <laughs> Damn, Hans Halter. That's some, that's some poetry right there. Now, I'm going to do my best to summarize each of these sittings. I'm going to blast through many. There's 17 of them. Mm-hmm. So some of them I, I, I won't even touch sure um basically what i how i structured this episode was really kind of focusing on the really important elements to all this who this ghost was why they were there information that can help them in really figuring out what to do and how to get rid of them right um and so not every single sitting actually gave a a, a good amount of information some gave no information Mm -hmm. so i'm really highlighting a lot of the the best of right okay um (laughs) If you are interested, however, and you want to read Ghost Hunter, Hans's book, um, he does go through every single one of the sittings. Wow. And some were shorter than others. Some okay. are like, there's a paragraph about this moment. And then some are like pages. Right. This is taken from the transcript of the first sitting. The medium, now possessed by an unknown entity, Ugh. has difficulty speaking. The entity breaks into mad laughter, full of hatred. The entity says, Curry the horse. They're coming. Curry the horse. Where's Minion? Where is she? Hmm. We wish to help you. Who is Minion? She should be here. Where is she? You've got her. Where is she? Where is the baby? What baby? What did they do with her? We're your friends. Oh, an enemy. An enemy, he says in tears. Oh. What is your name? Gushon. 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 It's spelled G-U-Y-C-H-O-N-E. I assume it's Gaishon. Gaishon, yeah. He expresses pain at the neck, hands feeling around, apparently puzzled by finding a woman's body. Mm. You are using someone else's body. The entity, that's, that's not going to throw them off more. Go on. <laughs> the entity clutches their throat. They ask, does it hurt you there? Not anymore. It's whole again. I can't see. All is so different. All is very strange. Nothing is the same. Holter then asked how he died. And that excited him immediately. The entity cried out, I didn't do it. I tell you, I didn't do it. No. Mignon, Mignon, where is she? They took the baby. She put me away. They took her. They asked, "Why why did she put you away? So no one can find me. Where? I stay there as he points upstairs all the time. That part of the session ended and the Mm -hmm. tapes were changed. They asked the entity where he came from. He responded with Charleston and that he lived in a white house. They asked, do you find it difficult to use this body? What? What? I'm here. I'm here. This is my house. What are you doing here? Mm. Tell me about the little room upstairs. He begins to cry. Can I go away from the room? At this point, the entity left, and the medium's control, Albert, took over her body. Right, controls. I remember controls now, which is also fucking weird to me. Yeah, so I'm going to kind of give a quick, if you don't, obviously, I didn't really know this until, like, reading up on a lot of these things. So a control is a term designating a spirit entity that works with the medium from the other side and who takes charge of the seance proceedings while the medium is in trance. Mm -hmm. So basically, it's almost a guide. I was going to say, sort of like... In between uh, Virgil worlds. being your guy through the hell. Yeah, yeah, literally. It's like uh, it's it's in between two worlds, so it's able to communicate with us through the medium, and also control, and also able to to 
chat with the spirit of the entity. Mm-hmm. So it's like a it's a weird situation. They never describe how they find Albert and right. who he is, but this is the control that they have access to. Okay, yeah. He would go on to say that the spirit suffered violence at the hands of several people. He was confederate and he was given up hidden there hmm. while they made their escape. Mignon and the baby were also dead, but the spirit never knew that they were dead or what became of them to begin with. Hmm. They were separated cruelly. He also informed them that the spirit was indeed hanged in the little room and that it was not suicide. It was a murder. Albert then suggested to end the trance and try for results in open sitting. So they slowly awoke the medium. Okay. And open sitting is kind of hanging out. Right. uh, And if things come about, they come about. But it's not pressured. It's not directed. Okay. While the medium was resting... One of the sitters, Stanley Goldberg, remarked that he has the impression that Guy Schoen's father perhaps came from Scotland. Captain Davis observed that the exact moment of the frequency change in the medium, that is when Guy Schoen left and Albert took over. The control light of the recording apparatus suddenly blazed up its own accord and had to be turned down by him. Hmm. A standing circle was then formed by all present, holding hands and taking the center of the room. Soon the medium started swinging forward and back like a suspended body. She remarked feeling very stiff from, quote, hanging and surprised to find that I'm whole, having been cut open in the middle. Then both Axelrod and Holzer observed a luminescent white and greenish glow covering the medium, creating the impression of an older man without hair, with high cheekbones and thin arms. This was during the period when Gaishon was speaking through the medium. The seance ended at 12.30. The medium reported feeling exhausted with continued discomfort in the throat and stomach. And that was the end of the first seance. Weird. Oh, Nelly. So Gaishon is a Confederate soldier from Mm -hmm. Charleston who found his way to New York to hide? Okay. We're going to find out okay. a lot about, um, about how Gaishan. I got to New York. Okay. Um, it's really complicated. Um, and again, because it's you're communicating with the dead, it's also really hard to verify so much of it. Right. Uh, but we're going to get through it, and we're going to chat through. And that, again, that was just the first sitting. We're going to chat through the rest of these settings uh, when we get back from the break. Okay. So we'll see you in just about a moment. If you ever look at our logo, you may notice a cute, furry, black and white creature hanging out the window. That's Ted. When he's not hanging out inside the New York Mystery Machine, Ted is enjoying treats from BarkBox. BarkBox is the dog-obsessed company that's devoted to one goal, making dogs happy. It's a monthly subscription, totally customized box of themed toys and treats for your furry friends. BarkBox provides the best products, services, and content for pups, and their people. Every box brings your dog more than $40 worth of toys and treats. Your first box ships immediately. Plus, BarkBox offers a 100% happy guarantee. If your pup isn't happy with their BarkBox, they'll work to make it right. So are you ready to spoil your pup with a BarkBox of their very own? If so, head over to www.barkbox.com slash nymysterymachine. If you use our exclusive link, you'll get a free extra month of BarkBox, valued at $35, when you sign up for multi-length plans. Okay, okay, Tedward. I'll say it again for them. Head to www.barkbox.com slash nymysterymachine and get your pup some treats today. So you listen to our podcast, which means you must love mysteries. But how would you like to solve your very own mystery? Hunt a Killer is an immersive murder mystery game told over the course of six episode boxes. Each box is filled with different clues and physical items such as autopsy reports, witness statements, and more. You'll use these clues to solve an ongoing murder mystery. Work solo or as a team of sleuths to finally crack the case and reveal the murderer. So do you think you have what it takes to hunt a killer? If so, head to www.huntakiller.com and use the code NY Mystery Machine for 20% off the first box. That's www.huntakiller.com and the code is NY Mystery Machine. Sign up now and begin the hunt. Bow, bow, bow.
right, we are back. Um, now, Captain Davis had 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 put out this ad, as you all remember. Um, we had this first seance. Uh, now, again, as we said, usually you need one to two to sometimes three, mm-hmm. and certainly they're like, we're going to do this a couple more times. Right. We learned that they're going to have seventeen seances. Incredible. Unfortunately. Um, this is a little too late for Captain Davis. <laughs> Captain Davis has an expedition. Remember, oh, right, there's a whole, yeah. a whole to do. So Captain Davis leaves on his worldwide trip the same exact week, and the new tenant was uncooperative. Okay, um, like no, don't come into my house and call on spirits. I don't want that. I mean, jokes on them. Once the spirit starts bothering them, right? <laughs> Holter felt that they should still continue the investigation even without Captain Davis. He said, quote, once you pry a ghost loose from his place of unhappy memories, he can sometimes be contacted elsewhere. Okay. The second sitting took place on July 14th, 1953, at the headquarters of the study group on West 16th Street. Before the second sitting, Mrs. Myers remarked that Guy Schoen had, quote, followed her home from the Fifth Avenue place and twice appeared to her at night in a kind of whitish halo with an expression of frantic appeal in his eyes. Mm. Upon hearing admonition to be patient until the sitting, the apparition had vanished. Hmm. Things that you hate. Things that I really, really Don't come really home with hate. me, boo No, I, that's, what, that's been my biggest thing. You that, like, stay. That's why you don't do this, because they come home with you. You stay where you are. You don't live here. During the sitting, we learned that the man believed it to be 1873. They would tell him that Mignon and the baby were on his side now and not in the land of the living. They asked him what happened in 1873, and he replied, quote, Nobody's goddamn business. Mine. Mine. He asked oh. again, what happened in 1873? And he replied, writing. Writing. Find her. They took her away. They asked, who took her away? He quickly responded, you, and threatened to strike the interrogator. Oh. They told him that they were his friends, and then he revealed he was a colonel in the Civil War, 206th Regiment Cavalry. Oh, okay. The interrogator asked him his name and handed him a piece of paper and pen. The pen seemed to confuse him uh-huh. be- because it was a ballpoint oh, pen. Oh, yeah, from, right. Now I'm used to from this. The, from the 50s. Now this is him taking over again the, the woman's body, the medium's this body, the medium, right? Okay. Yeah, it's yeah, all yeah. the medium. The pen seems to confuse him, uh, but then he writes an artistic, stylized manner of the mid-Victorian age, uh, Eduard Gaishon. It's spelled E-D-O-U-A-R-D, Edward. Oh, Edward. Uh, G-U-Y-C-H-O-N-E. Gachon. Edward Gachon. Holter said the second session was the most dramatic of the sittings. Quote, The transcript cannot fully convey the tense situation existing between a violent, hate-inspired, and God-denying personality fresh from the abyss of perennial darkness and an interrogator trying calmly to bring light into a disturbed mind. Toward the end of the session, Gaishon understood about God and began to realize that much time had passed since the personal tragedy had befallen him. Actually, the method of liberating a ghost is no different than that of used by a psychiatrist to free a flesh-and-blood person from obsessions or personality disturbances. Huh. Both deal with the mind. I can kind of see that. Yeah, sure. Kind of, some kind of sense to me, in some weird way. Yeah, I mean, once you once you say yes, ghosts exist, and people are able to talk with them, right? Then I think yeah, everything. Then open, that sounds right. Open, this, this, yeah. this, it has an internal logic. Yeah, I always feel you know when you're when you're telling these stories that the biggest thing is that's the first threshold. Right. You have to accept this as reality, right. and then you can start accepting other pieces of it. It became clear to Holzer that many more sessions would need to clear up the case. Since the entity was reluctant to tell most things, more settings would happen throughout the summer. By August, the team knew they had an unusual case. Holzer went through all the available material on the period, and there was a lot, uh, without turning up anyone named Gaishon. I was going to say, that feels like something that's very easily verifiable. Yeah. On August 4th, 1953, during the sixth session, the sitting repeated previous information and consisted of a very cat-and-mouse game between Gaishon and the team. However, toward the end, Gaishon began to speak of his son Gregory, naming him for the first time. He asked them to find him. They said, what name does Gregory use? Gaishon casually answered, I don't know, Gaishon, maybe McGowan? The name McGowan came very quietly, but sufficiently distinct to be heard by all present. 
At the time, they were not overwhelmed. Only when the research started to yield results did they realize that it was his real name at last. But they were not immediately successful in locating McGowan on regimental rosters. Mm -hmm. Late in August, Holzer went through the city records of Charleston, West Virginia, on a futile search for the Gashon family, assuming still they were his in-laws. That is where he found mention of McGowan's brigade. Oh... The sitting of August 18th, 1953, began with them asking for the spirit to identify himself. He said that his mother's name was Marie Gaichon. And then something happened. He remembered his actual name. He would say, Edward Mac... Mac... Yes, I see. McGowan. I remember more. Tell what I know. It is like a wall. I remember a dark... Night, I was crazy, war on one hand, fighting, bullets, and then flying away, chasing, chasing, chasing. He would continue to chat throughout, he would continue to chat through all these war stories with the team, talking vividly about the Civil War, where he served, where he was, the entirety of it, who he was with. Wow. All throughout the sittings, it was clear that McGowan's memory uh, was best when pictures or scenes were asked for. Mm. And worse, when precise names or dates were being requested. He was never sure when he gave a figure, but was very sure of his facts when he spoke of situations or or relationships. Thus, he gave varying dates for even his own birthday, making clear that he was quite hazy about that. Mm. Now, it's not too odd, right? Like Holter explained, if a living person undergoes severe shock, is he not extremely hazy about such familiar details as name or address? Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense to me Like, the first thing that happens when you, when an accident happens, you get, like, knocked to the floor. Someone's like, do you know your name? Like, that's the first thing, right? Do you you know where you're from? What's your address? Like, it's what people do when you have concussions. Right. Um... So most shock victims can describe their house or their loved ones. Mm -hmm. The human memory apparently is more reliable in terms of associations when under stress than in terms of factual information like names and figures. The sittings continued in weekly sessions into the fall with Colonel McGowan rapidly becoming their star visitor. Mm -hmm. Always, every week, McGowan would be there. He's like, I guess I put on my calendar. <laughs> Guess I'll be there again, you guys. <laughs> got nothing else going on. Got nothing else going on. Actually, he does. He just keeps reliving his like fucking death. Right now, so. it sounds terrible, actually. In September, they learned that he was wounded at the Battle of Gettysburg. Oh. Soon, the research team was putting together started to back a lot of what the spirit was telling them. That's crazy. I love that. Yeah, it was pretty insane and pretty vivid. Again, when you read the book, you know, they go through all of these facts. In the sitting of August 18th, McGowan stated that his landlord was a woman and her name was Elsie or L.C. Mm. Now, the Hall of Records of New York City lists the owner of 226 Fifth Avenue as Isabella S. Clark from 1853 to at least March 1st, 1871. In the same sitting, McGowan stated that Pat Duffy was the man who actually came to collect the rent, working for the landlady. Several days later, after this information was voluntarily received from the entity, Holter found in Trow's New York Directory for 1869-1870, The House Today, page 195, Clark, Isabella, Widow Constantine, House 45 Cherry, page 309, Duffy, Patrick, Laborer, 45 Cherry. This could be only known to someone who actually knew these people 80 years ago. It proved that the ghost was there in 1873. He mentioned Duffy and Clark by name, and they literally lived uh, where he said they lived. Right. Duffy literally was the person who worked with Clark to pick up the checks. Right. And Clark was the landlady. Right. That's crazy. Yeah, it's pretty insane. Furthermore, all the war info also started to check out as well. Holter found a book by J.F.J. Caldwell called History of the Brigade of South Carolinians, Known first as Greg's and subsequently as McGowan's Brigade. Page 96, Battle of Gettysburg, McGowan commands 13th, 12th, 14th, and 1st. So he was indeed at wow. the Battle of Gettysburg. But something that had not been addressed was one important thing. And, and what's that? Um, I've got a couple of questions. I mean, it could be Mignon. It sure. could be how he got from Gettysburg to to New York City. Um but perhaps the the thing that brought everyone here. Uh, why was he killed? Yeah. Why? How was he killed? <laughs> why was he killed? Why is he haunting this house? Right. Yeah. The topic of his death was still not being brought to light. 
In all these seances, how he died was barely brushed upon. All we know was from that first sitting was that he was indeed murdered. Right. Then, during the sitting of September 8th, 1953, he said, quote, They killed me on the top floor. They dragged me up. The man of color named Walter. He was a giant of a man. She was a virtuous woman. I tell you, she was. But she would not believe it. So then on September 15, 1953, we start hitting a breakthrough. When asked about what news his family was given about his death, McGowan says, foul play. Mm. He They ask, what happened to the body? Cremated, I guess. I think in the city. The remains were destroyed, not in the grave. A monument to a memory. Mm. Well, what did they tell the public? Lost forever. I could have been at sea. House was destroyed by fire. Do you mean there was no official record of your death? No. Not identical for passing. They never told the exact month or day. I see 1879, very blurred, September 4th. Hmm. So much of what McGowan said checked out. He would confirm that he had political aspirations Mm -hmm. and they lost uh, a race for Congress. Hmm. So Holter got a hold of a book called Eminent and Representative Men of the South Carolina by Brandt and Fuller in 1892. Okay. In this book, McGowan is listed. Okay. And after talking about his service uh, in the Civil War, Mm -hmm. in the Confederacy, Mm -hmm. leading troops in, in, in Gettysburg and Moyer, it then says, after the war, he entered law practice with William H. Parker in Abeville. He took an interest in political affairs, mm-hmm. member of the convention that met in Columbia in September 1865, <laughs> elected to Congress but not allowed to take a seat. Oh. Counted out on the second election two years ago. In 1878, he was a member of the state legislature, and in 1879, he was elected Associate Justice of the State Supreme Court. Oh. So some stuff is tying over the yeah. political aspiration. Yeah, they, yeah. Again, they, they, he mentioned these things before, before they, did the they, re- they yeah. found it. Which is kind of like the style of how they do it, right? They say things and then like he sends his team to go right. find all the information that they can. Which makes sense. Gerald McGowan lived a long and honorable life in Abeville, the book says. He was contributing member of the Episcopal Church Trinity and became a member later in life. At his death, the following appeared in Abeville Medium in the Abeville Medium, edited by General R. R. Hemphill, who had served in McGowan's brigade. Mm-hmm. Quote General Samuel McGowan died in his home in this city at 8.35 o'clock last Monday morning, August 8th. Full of years and honors, he passed away surrounded by his family and friends. He had been in declining health for some time and suffered intense pain. Though his final sickness was for a few days only, at the end, all was peace. Impressive services were held in Trinity Church Tuesday afternoon. General McGowan was buried at Long Lane Cemetery, and there is a handsome stone on the plot. Hmm. So did you notice anything wrong with that? Um, well, yes. Uh, it says that he died peacefully from a, an illness surrounded by friends and family. A long journey from New York. Yes. Yeah, it's all. It's all very incorrect, according it, to the ghost. Yeah, according to the ghost, it's all very incorrect. Um, and also that there was a body to be buried. It's, yeah, that's a big one. Yeah, there's a bunch of like things in that, like a that there's a body when 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 McGowan says he was cremated, right. um, but then McGowan also says that there is in fact a a tomb that is empty, right. like a grave right. that is empty. So he is aware that there is a a, a misinterpretation of what's happening there. Right. Finally, on November 6, 1953, they get more answers about his demise. Holter was alone with the medium, Mrs. Myers, at her home when he had a chance to question McGowan about his apparent murder and the quote-unquote conspiracy of silence concerning it. McGowan said, quote, The judge protected them. They did not report my death. They had devised the kidnapping. I was murdered downstairs, strangled by the kidnapper Walter. He took her, Mignon, Mm. all the way to Boston. I wore the uniform of damn Yankees. I rode a horse every night to Boston. No, I made a mistake. I came to my Uncle Peter Paul in New York. I had a letter from Marie Gershon. She was in New York. Begged me to find Mignon and Gregory. I come to New York. Can't find her. She was in Boston then, but I didn't know until later. Marie Gershon remained with my uncle, and I gave up the chase, and like a thief, crawled back to Confederate grounds. That was in 1863. 
After the war, there was a struggle. Property was worthless. Finally, the union granted that me withdraw our holdings, and with that, I came to New York. My mother and father came also, until rehabilitation was sufficient for their return. I continued to live with my wife, Susan, and the children, and I found Mignon. She had escaped and came to her mother in New York. I made a place for them to live with my uncle, and when my wife returned to stay with her father, the judge, I had Mignon, but she was pregnant and didn't know it, and there was a black child. There was unpleasantness between us. I didn't know if it were mine and Mignon was black, but it was not so. It was his child, Walter's. Mm. He came for it and for her. He traced her to my house on Fifth Avenue. My father-in-law, the judge, was the informer, and he, Walter, strangled me. He was a big man. I'm fuzzy on who Mignon is to him. Is this his daughter? No, it's another girl. Oh, that uh, a little, a little it's a black, side. It's a black girl that he that oh, he, okay. he was he was with. Was so her escape is she was enslaved. I'm taking it. It's kind of fuzzy. Yeah. What it sounds like to me is that um, he was with Mignon, but it wasn't okay. Mm-hmm. She was separated from him one night. Mm-hmm. He kept looking for her mm-hmm. to no avail. Right. Eventually, he gave up. Right. Found his new wife, Susan. Mm-hmm. Then Mignon turned up right. with this baby. Right. Not sure if it was his or not. Mm-hmm. It isn't his. It's Mignon's other guy, Walter. Right. Mm-hmm. Who then is going to kill him. Interesting. Why? That's why I think that. I feel like he's covering his tracks on some sort of a. But then he continues. And when I was not dead yet, he dragged me up the stairs. Mignon was not present, not guilty. I think it was in January of 1874, but I may be mistaken about the time. Gregory had two sons, William and Edward. William died on a boat in the English Channel in 1918. Gregory used the name Fogarty, not McGowan. The little black boy died, they say. It was just as well for him. Hmm. Holter did some fact-checking. There was no murders or suicide reported in the newspapers of that time period, similar to the case. But of course, anyone planning a crime like this might have succeeded in keeping it out of the public's eye. Sure. The sittings would continue through November as McGowan would mention many places he visited in New York. uh, And he would give correct addresses to places such as the Wardorf Astoria and spots Hmm. in Harlem. The final sitting occurred on November 26, 1953. After researching more, Holzer believed that McGowan did not die in 1873, as the spirit believed to be. Mm -hmm. But But if he did not die in 1873, something very traumatic must have been done to him at that time. Right. Or perhaps the murder, if it was such, took place in 1897. Okay. He concluded by saying, it could well be that General McGowan will take this ultimate secret with him to the great land where he now dwells safely forever. Hmm. The team performed a quote-unquote rescue circle. Its purpose is to make sure the disturbed entity does not return to the scene of unhappiness. Hmm. This mission was accomplished, and the Spirit of McGowan never returned to the home again. There were no more reports of mists, green or white. There was no more chilling sounds, no apparitions of hands, nothing. McGowan was gone, and that was the last they heard of him. Crazy. Crazy. You know what I want to do, Adam? Hit me. I really want to go home and use my ancestry account and just pull up all the mignons that I can find in various census records. Yeah, if you covered this story, it'd be probably 14 more pages longer. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just want to see if we can... I... I wow. Yeah, I mean, again, the, the big... The confu- there's so... I mean, like, again, and sorry, listener, if you were as confused as I was sometimes, because, again, we're trying to make sense of... Yeah, fragmented memory. Fragmented memory. And so I'm doing the best I can interpreting it. Um, and I and I interpret it as that him and Mignon were together. Um, right. Even though he was a Confederate, he still right. fancied black women, um, which many Confederates did. Um, which is why I'm so interested in, like, what, how, what is that relationship? Was it an enslaved woman? Was it... But yeah. Then- Again, we don't really get, get. I mean, we only figured out who Mignon was in, in, in like, like the not, last, like the last like few things. Like, oh, now we get. A, she's a girl. She's not your daughter, right? Um, and she had a baby, but it's not your baby, right? It's this guy Walter's baby. Fascinating. 
I like that this is when they're like, oh, it's all making sense now. Okay, we'll put you, we'll, we'll put you to rest. Like, no, wait. Yeah. <laughs> You're just getting there. <laughs> yeah. But that is Crazy, it. That Adam. is the 17 seances. The really long chapter in, in, in Hans's book. And again, if you want to read all about it again, it's Hans Holzer, Ghost Hunters, published in the sixties. And you can buy it wherever you wherever you buy books. Wow. I bought it. I didn't buy it. I rented it on uh on digital reserve, so that's what I did. Crazy. I know, it's insane. Thank you for that, Adam. Yeah. That's- I told you I was gonna. I was doing my best to find a haunted house. You did. You did a good. I was like, we haven't had a good old fashioned haunted house in a while, except for our, yeah. our Patreon exclusive. Patreon exclusive, you say? What? The Patreon exclusive is on our Patreon. <laughs> um, but thanks for listening. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks for 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 wow for yeah. a crazy story. Thanks for being here, guys. Um, and so um, make sure uh to, to if you haven't already, you follow us on all those socials on uh, Instagram. And Facebook at NY Mystery Machine on Twitter at NY Mysteries. Uh, like, subscribe, uh, rate, and review on on all those things on iTunes and uh, rate on Spotify as well. If you're listening right now, you can just give us a five star on Spotify. Give us five stars on iTunes. Well, there you have it. Thanks for uh, taking a ride on that New York Mystery Machine. I am Adam Mace. I'm Christina Marinelli. And we will see you next time. Woo!